This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. Well, praise the Lord. I'm so glad to see you here on a Wednesday night. Bless all of you. I'm just going to go ahead and start. I, I had some things happening with me in the last few weeks here. and So one day last week, I'm in here praying, and we've had some guys that are contractors in and out, coming back and forth, and they would just kind of look in here. I, I get a little radical when I pray at times, and I just kind of look at them like, so I went out here in our coffee shop, and I was just sitting out the window, and I looked by this one door, and I saw this, this young man, he, he glanced in, and then his head jumped back. And I said, hey, do you need something? And he said, I don't want to bother you. And I said, you're not bothering me. I said, I'm just sitting here praying and talking to God. And I said, but you're not bothering me. And he said, I, I really need to talk to you. And he said, you don't know me, but I know who you are. And I said, well, tell me what's going on in your life. So he was telling me that a year ago, his, his mom had gotten sick. And he was 18 years old. And he said she started getting better and started getting better. And then he said on Valentine's Day a year ago, he said, I got a call that my mom died. And then he just loses it. I mean, just begins to weep. And he said, I, I don't know what to do. And so I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yeah, I would like for you to pray for me. So we were standing right back there. We just began to pray. I'm telling you, the power of God came in there. And God used that moment with that young man to teach him that you can call out to God just like I did. And I said, God, he, he wants you to open your heart anytime, especially when you're hurting. And I, I see this more and more within our society that people are hurting. And so I, I encourage you to pray, just be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and Watch, watch what God will do. I'm just telling some of you that because God's going to start using you in these areas just to pray for people, just to lay hands on them because we live in a very, very hurting world right now. And so I tell that just to encourage you that God's still on the throne. He still sees things. Well, I, I welcome all of you again. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, we're going to give you an opportunity to give tonight. So I'm going to give you a little nugget here on giving. Luke 16, verse 10. He who is faithful in what is least, a little, little bitty area, is faithful also in much, a great big area. But he who is unjust in what is least is unjust and also in much. Now, it's interesting words here that he's talking about. And he's talking in a lot of areas of our life, but in particular, he is talking about money. How do I know that? Look at verse 11. 
Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon. Now, we've talked about this. Mammon is riches, it's possessions, and it is money. And isn't it interesting that Jesus said, therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit your trust the true riches? So what he's talking about, there is a prerequisite to promotion for every one of us. And when I'm faithful with the little, God will move me up to much. And so this is how I believe God moves. And I'm sorry, you live stream that I'm doing this to you. But I, I believe it's kind of like this, that if I'm faithful here, that he'll move me here. And when I'm faithful here, he'll move me here. And when I'm faithful, and, and so he just keeps moving me based on my faithfulness. Now, I don't know if you've ever realized this, but you're the CFO of your money. You're the chief financial officer of your money. Now, if you were to be given a evaluation on your giving, what would that look like? Would I get a promotion? Would I get a demotion? Or would I even be terminated? Now, the Lord right here, he's saying some things that just are incredible to me that when I learn to manage the littleness with faithfulness and integrity, he's saying, man, I, I want to move you to much. And the reason God does it this way because a lot of times when people begin to experience blessings, if they're not rooted and grounded in the things of God, they get off. They get off track real quick. And remember in 1 Timothy, he says the, the, the love of money is the root of all evil. And so God wants to get us to a place. And so guess what? You're in training ground right now. And so just think about this. It's or, or prerequisite for my promotion. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We honor you. Lord, we thank you for the area you've given that you teach us in your word. And we thank you for your word, just even in the area of our giving. Lord, we, we pray your blessings on this. Lord, we ask you to bless this evening that the word of God would come alive in all our hearts. And Lord, you would bless every person here. You would touch hearts that you would heal, you would set free. And Father God, we ask you for rain for this whole region in this physical realm called the earth in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, if you got your Bible turned just a little bit back to your left to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. As you're going there, I want to bring up just a couple things real quick. Uh, if you need to get registered for the men of iron, I'm telling you guys, this stuff is moving rapidly. It's going to come on us real quick. And so we're going to have to cap it before long. If you need help doing that, there's a computer out here. There'll be people and it won't be me that will assist you. Okay. I can't help you a bit on those things. Also, remember this, that this Sunday we're going to spring forward. So you're going to have to get up an hour quicker than you normally do. Don't forget that that's this Sunday. We're still on our uh, series on the Holy Spirit. Really, really, really good to hear the Word of God on those areas. All right, so we're back to Mark 11. We ended there last week. And so just to set the table on this a little bit. My, my faith will grow when I feed it. And so we know Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing. The Lord Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, he said, man doesn't live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So the way my faith will grow, man, I just got to keep 
keep getting in the word. I hear it and hear it and faith will come. But the way I begin to release the word of God is not only in my speaking the word, but I got to exercise my faith. What I mean by exercising your faith is uh, the Lord said through James in James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So it's one thing for me to hear the word of God. It's a whole nother thing for me to speak the word of God. And it's a whole nother thing for me to, again to act on the word of God. Now we're going to talk about some of this tonight. So we go back to Mark 11, verse 23. And Jesus said, and he answered and said to them, his disciples, have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. The Amplified says constantly. Verse 23. For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, and we talked about the mountain, that the mountain can be an obstacle, it can be a hindrance, it can be a crazy problem that I have in my life. And so when we think about a mountain, and he says, you'll say to the mountain, be thou removed, be cast in the sea. For that to take place, I begin to look at a God who takes what seems impossible with man and he makes it possible. That's where I begin to just trust God and believe God and say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna trust you. So he goes on to say, I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be thou removed me, cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but he believes those things he says he will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, if you'll note there, these were red letter words. So if we were to really break down and dissect Mark eleven twenty three, the Lord Jesus said we are to believe one time. Whoever believes, whoever trusts me. But he said the word says three times. Three, three different times in there. He used the word says. Now I'm going to read it and I'm going to highlight the word says. For surely I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So is the Lord telling us right here, I, I need to learn to discipline my mouth that I begin to say the things that God's word says. And I highlight the words we must learn and we must discipline ourselves. How many of you ever speak before you think? And I do that, I'm like. Oh. But something happens when I begin to get a hold of the word of God in this area and I see the significance that Jesus talks about with what I say. Because whatever I say, that's what I'm going to have. And so I'm like, Lord, grace me in this area. Grace me to, to get my, my tongue, what I say, in line with your word. Now, to help us a little bit, go with me to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs chapter 6. And as you're turning there, I, I highlight what he said there at the end. You will have whatever he says. So if I'm going to have whatever I say, shouldn't I be very thoughtful of what comes in and out of my mouth? So if he says, you're going to have whatever you say, that's if they're good things 
or they're bad things. You're going to have whatever you say. Proverbs 6, verse 1. My son, if you become surety or a guarantee or collateral for your friend, if you have shaken hands in a pledge for a stranger, you are snared or you are trapped by the words out of your mouth. You will be trapped by the promise or the agreement that you made with the words out of your mouth. You are taken or you are caught by the words of your mouth. You are legally bound by the agreement out of your mouth. Now it's interesting right here that he gets over and he starts talking about the significance of what happens when I speak words out of my mouth. Go to your right just a little bit to Proverbs chapter 13. Proverbs 13. You know when you want to do a real good word study sometime? Just go through the book of Proverbs and take you a, a yellow highlighter and start marking all the things that the Bible and the Proverbs talks about, the words out of your mouth. It'll blow you out of the water. It, it will teach you incredibly. Proverbs 13, verse 2. A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth. A man will eat well by the fruit or the words that comes out of his mouth. But the soul of the unfaithful feeds on the violence. He or the one who guards or controls his mouth preserves his life. But he who opens wide his lips or speaks rashly shall have destruction or will live in a state of ruin. So when I guard my words, I guard my life. So he's telling us here, I've got to learn to control my tongue because my words have con uh, consequences. Now, a good uh, a verse, and I'm not gonna have you go there, but a good verse for you to remember it's Proverbs 18, 21 that says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we go back and we think about what he's talking about here, the power of your words. I like to say it this way. I'm having what I say and I'm saying what I have. So if my words are that important, Ooh, we've got to start paying attention to them. Now, go back into the New Testament to Mark chapter 5. I'm going to be in Mark 5 and then Mark 6, and we'll just see how far we get tonight. But in Mark chapter 5, there's a passage here that I believe will illuminate us in these areas. Some significance. Mark chapter 5, verse 24. So Jesus went with him, and the him is a man named Jairus. And he went with Jairus, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. It pressed against him. Now, I want you to get a picture of this, okay? That he's following this man named Jairus, and he's going to, to heal. But as he's going there, a great multitude of people was surrounded Jesus. And when you study Jesus' life, it was like everywhere he went, there was a great multitude of people. And, and when you read this, and I, I picture him walking along this road, 
and people are pressing up against him. They are all over him, touching him. They aren't practicing social distancing. Verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. Now when you study this woman, this woman most believe was a Gentile woman. And she has this issue that goes on within her body for 12 years. Day after day after day. Verse 26. And she had suffered many things from many physicians. Now that gives us a little insight. That they were treating her, they were doing everything they knew. And what they were doing to her was causing her to suffer in some way. And so it says she suffered many things from many physicians and she had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. So when we read into this, she has some form of an incurable condition that the doctors could not heal. Verse 27. And when she heard about Jesus, I highlight this in my Bible. When she heard about Jesus, remember faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. When she heard about Jesus, so someone had to tell this woman about Jesus. This is what I kind of get through the scriptures that took place. She hears all this commotion because the multitudes are there. She hears all the noise of people and she asks someone and says, hey, tell me what's going on. And this person says, this is Jesus. This is the man that when people come around him, when they touch him, when he touches him, they get healed. We've we've seen the miracles he's done over and over and over. So this person, I believe, clues her in about what's going on here with Jesus. So she hears about Jesus. And here's a question off of that. What do we do with what we hear? Do I blow it off? Do I throw it away? Do I discard it? Do I begin to pray about this? Do I begin to act on this? Now, watch very closely what she does. And when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and she touched his garment. Now, he wore this outer garment And on this outer garment would be these blue tassels that would hang down. Those blue tassels represented all the promises of God. If if you wanted to study, if you like stuff like that, um, in the book of Numbers chapter 15, you can find a lot of that. And so literally what this was, this was an expression of, man, I'm going to touch all the promises of God. So it says that she touched the hem of his garment. Verse 28. 
For she said, for she said, if I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, the Passion Translation says, for she kept saying to herself, when I touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Now, I want you to think again. We have this massive crowd. And they're all pressing against him. And I believe she sees him. And as she's walking toward him, she's saying out of her mouth, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. Now that word there, I shall be made well, in the Greek is the word called zozo, S-O-Z-O, which literally means I will be healed, I will be rescued, I, I will be touched by the, by the things of God. I'll be restored. And so as she's going there, she actually does James 1.22. She acts on the word that she heard. She was a, a doer of the word, not a hearer only. So she says, when I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made well. The Passion Translation says, I know I will be healed. Now, what's interesting about this woman she voices the desired result. She speaks out of her mouth the things she desired. And whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. Verse 29. Immediately, the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. Now, I want you to get this, Okay. 12 years, every morning that she woke up, she had some form of suffering. But it says right here, immediately she knew something that had taken place within her. Now, think about this in your own body. If you've ever run a fever for a couple of days and the day it breaks, you know it immediately. You're like, woo, I praise the Lord. If you've ever had a stomach that was upset, forms of headaches maybe for a couple of days, and the day they break and you get healed of it, you're done of it, you know immediately. Can you imagine 12 years, day after day? That's 4,380 days. How'd you know that I multiplied it? Okay, I didn't do that in my head. She knows something took place within her. Verse 30, and Jesus immediately knowing himself that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Now you see the word immediately here. Jesus himself, he knew someone had touched him, but they hadn't just touched him, they had touched him in faith. The reason we know this is because we go back, remember that the multitude was around him and it said they were thronging him and they pressed about him, but something happened when this woman touched him. I believe others were, were touching him, maybe out of curiosity, maybe out of hope, but this woman was like, there's the answer right there. Verse 31, 
But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging or pressing you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. What was the thing the woman had done? She acted on the word of God. She heard about Jesus. And then she said, man, I, I got to step out by faith. Everything was an act of faith. Verse 33, but the woman, fearing and trembled, knowing what happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth, told him everything that happened. And he said to her, daughter, this is your lucky day. Look what he says to her. This is Jesus' words. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go and be healed of your affliction. Now, when I, I read this right here, the reason Jesus wanted to call her out is he wanted her to testify that there would be a confession of what took place and she would give testimony like, look what God did. And when she did this, Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you well. You know what he was telling everybody else there? You gotta get a hold of this type of faith. You gotta get a hold of it. So every time I read that, I say, Lord, grace me with that type of faith that that woman had. Number one, that I can trust everything I hear about you in the word. Now, turn just a, a book or a chapter to chapter 6. And so what happens is you're going to chapter 6. Anytime I begin to say things that are contrary to the word of God, or better yet, anytime I speak in doubt and unbelief, it's like you just slam on the brakes. <laughs> And everything just stops. That's what unbelief does. It stops the things of God immediately. And unbelief is no respecter of persons, okay? Unbelief says, I don't care who you are, where you live, where you were born. Unbelief will stop it just like that. I like to look at unbelief like you're going down the road 80 miles an hour. When you get an unbelief, it's like you just pull that emergency brake and just, that's what unbelief does. Mark 6, ooh, I gotta hurry. Verse one. Then Jesus went out from there, Capernaum, and he came to his own country, which was Nazareth, and his disciples followed him. Now he goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. The Lord Jesus taught. He taught him the word of God. He knew the significance that when you get the word of God in people, stuff happens. So he teaches them on the Sabbath and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Now just think here a second. He's healed a woman with the issue of blood. He heals the person with Jairus. That's all the end of Matthew 5. So I believe when he's leaving this area, a lot of those people that seen what he had did with the one with the issue of blood and Jairus' daughter, he goes, they said, man, we gotta keep following him. And so they go into his hometown and they're telling people, man, 
This guy is the one, stuff happens. They hear. Verse three. But the people of Nazareth says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. They, they became offended. They took offense or were deeply offended at Jesus. They scoffed. Now watch what Jesus says, verse four. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and his own house. If you'll look right where, where he said a prophet who is without honor, the three areas that he specifically mentions, his hometown, his relatives, and his own family. The word honor here means reverence, it means respect, and it means to esteem. And so anytime you start studying the Bible where you find honor, when you honor another human being, when you honor your mother and father, when you honor in your marriage, when you honor who the Lord says to honor, honor is a magnet that attracts the things of God, just like that. So if honor attracts the things of God, what does dishonor do? Verse five, now he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now this, this is a mind blower right here to me. He could do no mighty works there. It didn't say he wouldn't, it said he couldn't. So the word couldn't tells me right here that he was restricted or restrained. He was unable to do what he desired to do. We know, number one, the reason he couldn't do what he wanted to do, first of all, was verse four, there was no honor. Ooh, Lord Jesus, I honor you. I honor what you did for me, I honor. But look at verse six. And he marveled because of their unbelief. I said a minute ago, unbelief is like the emergency brake. When I get over into unbelief, it stops the things of God. The way I get past unbelief is I keep feeding on the word of God over and over and over. And I say, Father God, feed my faith and starve my doubts. Get me to a place. So I go back to what the woman said in Mark 5. She continually said out of her mouth the desired result. I believe one of the greatest things we can begin to do is we find what the Word of God says. And we speak it, and we speak it, and we continue to speak it because remember what the Lord Jesus said. You'll have whatever you say. You'll have whatever you say. And so this is just another elementary lesson on faith that I believe every one of us need to get. And I wish I could tell you I lived in a state of faith all the time. And our faith gets challenged. But when I get into the word of God again, something begins to happen. So begin to feed on the word of God. 
I don't, I don't know what you're going through in life. I, I do know this, that there's a lot going on, not only in our world, but in, in our city and our church. Stay full on the word of God. Keep, keep getting a hold of the word of God, and now I'm going to double dog dare you. Start speaking the promises of God. Start saying about yourself what God says about you. And you, you watch what begins to happen. Man, it'll, it'll begin to build faith in you and you'll begin to say, Ooh, I, I've gone to another level. I believe that. Just stand on your feet here tonight. The goodness of God. And this may locate you. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. I, got, I just got a minute or two here and I'm going to let you go. I'm going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes because the opposite of faith is fear. And when I get over into fear, fear strangles or chokes the things that God wants to do in my life. And so what begins to take place with fear is there's a thing that called anxiety that begins to happen within us. Now, faith is just the opposite. But many, 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 I get over into the area of fear and it manifests in anxiety. Pastor, you ever been in fear and anxiety? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I hate it. I hate it. I hate that. But God said, I didn't give you a spirit of fear. So I got to look back to God and I say, Father God, I'm going I'm to pray. I'm going to pray Philippians 4, 6 over you. He said, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses your understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So right now, if, if that's you, they say, man, I'm, I'm, it's not nothing wrong to say, I got fear, I got an anxiety. Just, let's just raise our hands to heaven. If that's you right now, and say, that's me, that's me. Man, that describes, Father God, you see hands going up right now. And Lord, we pray that you would grace us. Grace us with incredible kingdom faith. That God kind of faith. And Father God, over everyone in here that has hands raised up, that is facing any forms of anxiety, woo, we welcome the peace of God that, that surpasses understanding, that that peace will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. And you know what I get out of that? The peace of God is a calming effect. Lord, we welcome your peace in us right now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.